Hello, all. Thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. I am Rick Thomas. You can find me in my cyber home, rickthomas.net. Thank you for joining me for your daily drive. If you would like to talk to us, what you need to do is go to our website and you can get on our uh, our community forum if you're not a supporting member. If you are a supporting member of our ministry, thank you so much for doing that. We have a private community for you, just for our members, and you can talk to us there. If you have any question whatsoever, let us serve you. It would be our pleasure to do that. Go to our forums on our website, and we'll be there waiting on you to ask whatever question you may have. In this podcast, I want to talk about the idea of providing for your family. If you are a single mom doing the heavy lifting of providing for your family, I want to chat with you. If you're a husband and you're doing the provision, the material providing of your family, this is for you. A husband and a wife working together, you're both working and bringing in an income, this is for you. God has called us to provide for our families, but he wants to make sure that the reason or the motivation for our provision is right. Our job is to work hard, not be lazy. We are to work and work hard. But we want to trust Him for the results. If you want to read this podcast, you can do it. The title of it is The Danger of a Man Providing for His Family. Again, if if you are a single mom or perhaps you are married and mom, you're the one, wife, you're the one that's bringing in the income. But whichever way it is for you, there is a danger in providing for your family. And you can read this article, the complete article on our website. I would love for you to do that. I have other articles inserted here that you can also read, and and it would bless me if you would use these in your small group, use them in your church context, use them in your family discussions. Be sure to share them with your friends. To kick this thing off, I want to bring in my old friend Biff and, and tell you a little bit about what's going on in Biff's life. He is a successful family man. As far as material things are concerned, his family lacks nothing. They live in a beautiful home. They have two new cars. The kids go to a private Christian school, and they play on multiple sports teams. Biff has a neighbor, and his name is Paul. Paul is not nearly as successful as Biff is, and Paul feels the pressure of not being able to provide for his family the way Biff does. The disappointment has mounted in in Paul's mind, not that anyone else is putting pressure on Paul, but Paul's putting pressure on himself. And the disappointment is so great, it's to the point where he has ongoing anger issues, and he takes it out on his wife. Plus, as you might imagine, he has a hidden addiction that he uses as, as an escape because it gives him relief for this miserable discontentedness that he has in his life because he is not as successful as his neighbor Biff is. Both Biff and Paul have the same problem. It just works out differently. They have succumbed to the temptation of thinking that providing material things for their families is their primary job in life. Biff feels pompous 
about what he has accrued materially. He carries it in a smug and subtle way, but it is obvious. Paul is angry and stressed because he has not accomplished as much as his neighbor. The Bible warns us about falling into the self-sufficient trap of thinking that providing materially for our families is our burden to carry. It is not. Jesus even monologued about this, about this trap in Matthew 6. Listen to what Christ said. Jesus, Jesus is talking here. He said, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Jesus knows us rather well. He was aware that we would be susceptible to thinking that providing so-called material blessings to our families would be a trap that would ensnare us. The problem with providing for others is connected to and grows out of the first sin that Adam and Eve committed. It's a matter of unbelief, a matter of not trusting the Lord for the results as far as what you need. Not entirely trusting the Lord is our number one problem that manifests itself in many ways in our lives, even for the believing Christian. It is so true. Now, I'm not talking about salvation here. Salvation is trusting God. He regenerates us, and that is one and done. It is done, and it cannot be taken away from you. But trusting God in every sphere of our life, throughout our lives, is it's a whole other matter. And it's hard, and it can be hard in this area of finances. Jesus wants us to work. He does not want us to be lazy. But he also doesn't want us to think the outcome of our efforts is our responsibility. Working is an obedience issue, but believing the results of our work is dependent on us is a disobedience issue. Paul talked about this idea of working in 2 Thessalonians 3.10. He said, If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. And then in 1 Timothy 5.8, he says, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Strong language for the individual that will not work, will not provide for his family. Now, Paul uses the word provision in 1 Timothy 5.8 that I just read to you. It was a rebuke to those who were self-indulgent and did not consider other family members, especially widows. They were selfish He was calling them out for their self-centeredness because they were not caring for others who were in real need. And so we are to work, and we are to work hard. 
Paul ties it to denying the faith. But if you isolate these two texts in 2 Thessalonians and and 1 Timothy, pull them out of the New Testament as though they are the only two verses in the New Testament, you could possibly embrace a provision-centric worldview to where having things becomes the chief end of man. For many Christians, provision-centric thinking has been pushed so far that it means to work hard, two, make gobs of money, three, create a comfortable lifestyle, and four, have more than the necessities of life. Now that is a biblical definition of success. And for those who do not have these things, cannot provide this kind of worldview lifestyle for their families, they feel unsuccessful. And that is a problem on either count, the rich or the poor. Paul's view of providing for others is more holy. It's more God-glorifying than just working long hours, raking in cash, and buying beautiful things. His perspective on finances and working hard is similar to how he thought about the accumulation of spiritual things. Paul had a lot of reason to have confidence in his flesh. He had accomplished so much, but he said in Philippians 3.8, For his sake, for the sake of Christ, I have suffered the loss of all things, and guess what? I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. The most important thing in Paul's worldview was to gain Christ, not to have material things. So whether physical or spiritual, Paul's pursuit of those things, they were in line with how Jesus lived on earth. Paul was not a materialist. He did not see working hard as a money-grabbing opportunity. Though he could have been successful, there is no question about that, according to the world's accounting. His Christological worldview would not allow him to be material-centered. I have talked to many Christians who have used Paul's language of providing for the family as a way to shield their real motivations for work, for money, and for, and for success. I have met them in marriage counseling over and over again. And if this is part of their problem, they would inevitably play the First Timothy card, drop it on the table, and say a man should provide for his family but they were shielding the real motivations of their heart. They work hard to gain a kind of success the Bible does not applaud. There is never enough. It's personal kingdom building that does not translate into building the Lord's kingdom. Jesus was the most successful man who ever lived, but he owned nearly nothing. He became the most famous man in history, but he was one of the poorest, materially speaking. He appealed to us to follow his example, which is why he warned us about how pursuing materialism would marginalize and even derail our faith. His language was strong. 
He said the pagans were the ones who pursued material things as though their lives depended upon it. He wanted us to trust God for material blessing while spending our most productive time seeking kingdom-building opportunities. This problem with materialism is where our understanding and practice of obedience to God while trusting Him for the results need more biblical reflection. We are not called to make the results happen or to insist on what the results should be. This trust God for the results worldview, it also applies to the spiritual realm. Paul told the Corinthians it was not his job to provide the spiritual bounty for his labors. He said that in 1 Corinthians 3, 6. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. He and Apollos were to obey God by planting and watering while trusting God for any outcomes that proceed from their work. Providing physical or spiritual outcomes are the concerns of pagans. It's also a concern of the Lord, because he said in Matthew 6, that God will add all these things to you. God is concerned about providing for you what you need, and so are the pagans. It's an interesting juxtaposition there. But Christians are a unique people group who should not be overly concerned about outcomes. Our job is to fulfill our our physical and spiritual responsibilities. It is our obedience that motivates us not to be lazy. We can not be lazy people, whether it's spiritually speaking or if it's working Materially speaking, we cannot be lazy, but it is our trust that motivates us to rest in the Lord to provide the results of our obedience. We obey, and we trust God for the results. There is no room in God's world for passiveness, whether it's spiritual passiveness or spiritual laziness. In 1 Thessalonians 5.14, Paul said that you should admonish the idle. We can't be lazy. We're called to work hard because it is God-like to work hard. We are not passive robots with no responsibility to biblically respond to the Lord or to others. In theology, this is called primary and secondary causes. Those are the two fancy terms. What the Lord does is the primary cause, while what we do is the secondary cause. Paul had a word for the lazy person. He said that we are to warn him, as I just read in 1 Thessalonians 5.14. Warn, admonish the idol. Laziness is disobedience. It is impossible to love God and to love others with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength without expending energy. The hardworking Christian spiritually and physically provides the most accurate picture as to what God is like to our world. 
Now, there are two ditches you must be careful of falling into, and if you do, you will obscure your efforts to image the Lord in your world. The first ditch is idleness. I've been talking about that. You must not be a lazy Christian. But the second ditch is thinking the responsibility of providing rest on your shoulders. I'm talking about results here. You see this second idea in salvation. For by grace you have been saved. At every turn, the Lord is warning you about the danger of thinking what you have done came about because of what you did. If you have any physical or spiritual blessing, it is because the Lord bestowed his unmerited favor on you. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Nebuchadnezzar had this problem. One night he was walking on the roof of his palace, taking in the glory of all that was before him while thinking those good things came about because of his effort. You read the story in Daniel 4. Here's verse number 30. Is not this great Babylon which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? That is severe narcissism. And it was not long after his self-glory-filling moment that he was eating grass with the cattle of the field. It is dangerous thinking to think your home, your family, your business, your gifting, your bounty came by you, through you, and because of you. I'm paraphrasing Romans 11:36 here. The actual verse says, For from him and through him and to him are all things to him be glory forever. You probably will not be sent to the fields to eat grass with an animal, but you will seriously circumvent what God is willing to do through you, not to mention the poor teaching example you would export to your friends and families. How many wannabe rich folk worry, fret, become angry because they're not able to have all the things they, de- they desire? The irony is how the Lord is meeting their needs. Think about that. They crave, they want, they desire, they want more. But God is already meeting their needs with the little bit that they have. As I look backward in my life, never being a rich person and never will be a rich person the way the world defines wealth. But as I look back in all of my poverty, in all of my lack, the way the world counts lack, I've never needed. God has always provided. And by the way, I'm talking about a season in my life where I was picking up aluminum cans on the side of the road just to make some change so I could buy a hamburger. God always provides. These wannabe rich folk may not have all they want, but they do have all they need. It's said this way in Luke 11, Jesus is talking again, For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks 
finds, and to the one who knocks it will be open. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? God will take care of you. He has promised to provide what you need, and he will not fail. Psalm 23 is a beautiful passage that you are familiar with. It is worth reading from time to time, or if you have memorized, which I know many of you have memorized this passage of Scripture, it would be fantastic to recite this passage of Scripture. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then David goes through a whole list of things that God does for him. He makes him lie down. He leads him beside the water. He restores his soul. He does so much. And that's why David had this bragathon. I shall not want. These underlying drives of dissatisfaction, what they do is they reveal, they perpetuate discontentedness and discouragement through unmet cravings. Sometimes the wannabe rich person may even think about how he prays, asking the Lord for certain things, but God withholds them from the petitioner. It is not unusual for such a person to not perceive how his motives, like my fictional Paul at the beginning of this podcast, who's so angry, so frustrated because he cannot get what he wants. And a person like that will say, I have prayed and I have asked God for this, that, and the other. But listen, Paul is being taken care of. God is providing for Paul, but he's not doing it the way my fictional Paul in this podcast is wanting it. He is asking for the wrong reasons, which is what James was addressing in his letter. In James 4.3, he said, you ask, but do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. The rich man makes his fortune through his self-reliant means. The wannabe rich man longs to make his fortune, but he is not as gifted or life circumstances did not roll out for him the way it did for the rich man. They have both fallen into the trap of trying to provide for their families according to wrongly motivated desires. These two wrong-headed pursuits, the wannabe rich guy and the rich guy, they typically, their pursuits typically leave them relationally impoverished. No matter how rich or how poor they are, they are poorer than they realize. The materially ambitious need a gospel reorientation of the mind to where their primary aim in life is not the pursuit of riches or fame, but the pursuit of the Lord's kingdom and his righteousness. Now, let me add a caveat here. If you are wealthy, I am not slamming you. There are many wealthy people who are building wealth, one, because they're good at it, and two, they're not about their wealth. They're about using their wealth to build God's kingdom. Some of our donors are that way. They are 
what people would say are filthy rich, whatever that means. But they are not about themselves. They are about building God's kingdom. So I'm not saying that having money is bad. But the context of this podcast are wrong motivations. Wrong motivations for the rich who has a lot. Wrong motivations for the poor who doesn't have a lot. True biblical success looks the same for the rich and the poor. This is where the ground is absolutely level. The rich and the poor are successful similarly. You remember the widow woman with two copper coins? She was amazingly rich. She was wealthy. You can measure yourself against true biblical success by by how you answer these questions. Let me ask you six questions and you can see how rich you are. One, do you love God most of all? Two, do you love others more than you love yourself? Three, does your life consistently manifest the fruit of the Spirit? If you're answering yes to my questions, You're filthy rich. Number four, are you fighting for rest and succeeding in that fight? Number five, are you seeking God's kingdom while trusting him to give you the earthly things you need? And number six, are you happy? Now, if you answered in the affirmative on all of these, you're rolling in wealth. You are are successful. What are you providing for your family? Is the majority of your time spent working toward material things? Or or are you working hard spiritually and physically while resting and trusting the Lord to provide the outcomes? Our call is not to be spiritually or physically lazy. I was talking earlier about about rich people or people who who use the providing for their family mantra to have a lot of material things. I was talking about that earlier. And one of the common denominators that I saw with those people who are working for the wrong reasons, accruing wealth for the wrong reasons, is that they are spiritually impoverished that they don't work hard spiritually and it's evidenced by their own lives, their spiritual well-being, and also by the lives of their wives, their family, and also for their children. Our call is not to be spiritual or spiritually or physically lazy. We should always be striving, always be pressing, always be working while resting enjoying and rejoicing in what God does. We do our part, that's secondary cause. God does his part, that's primary cause. And if that is working correctly for you, then you are resting, enjoying, rejoicing while you're striving, pressing, and working. Let me finish this podcast with four questions. Number one, Are you working hard in the physical realm of your life? Are you a hard worker? We admonish the lazy. If you're not a hard worker, you need to be admonished. 
Number two, are you working hard in the spiritual realm of your life? You must be working by the sweat of your brow, spiritually speaking. Question number three, are you resting in the Lord's provision, whatever that provision may be? I'm talking about contentment here in the the earthly world, the terrestrial realm, being content with what you have. And then question number four, how do you need to change after listening to this podcast? Would you be willing to talk to someone about the content of this podcast? Now, listen to what I'm not saying. I'm not saying money is bad. I'm talking about the motivations of our heart, whether it's the motivation of the rich person who is working just to be rich for self-serving purposes, or the motivation of the poor person who wants to be rich and is spending every uh, second of his day, every angle that he can find to figure out how to make a lot of money. We're talking about motivations of the heart. And are we resting in the results. God chooses to bless whom he will bless. And if you're not being blessed financially with a lot of monetary blessings, that's okay as long as you are working hard. But know this, God will take care of you. If you would like to chat about this, if you want to talk about it, please go to rickthomas.net. If you are a supporting member, talk directly to me and my team on the private side of the forum. If you're not, go to the community forum. If you're not a supporting member, go to to the community forum. And we'll be there for you to answer your questions too. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.